Tonight, we will journey together through the last 24 hours of Christ's life, culminating at the cross. We will listen to songs and have the opportunity to reflect. We're going to watch actors tell the story of the events leading up to to the cross. And we're going to lift our voices in song. And we will each have the opportunity to be challenged to decide for ourselves whether we are willing to take up the cross ourselves as we stand at the crossroads. To guide us this evening in our time of reflection and this time of worship, I invite you to hear the words of David uh, as he wrote and sang uh, in the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you, you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet, yet you, you are holy, God, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancient, our ancient ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you. And we're never disgraced. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we would be lying to you and deceiving ourselves if we pretended to be joyful and satisfied tonight. We're not. The violent pain that our our friend Jesus endured makes us want to hide and wait until it's over. It makes us wish we could ignore his wounds altogether. Yet in the miracle of grace, you have drawn us here, along with millions of others around the earth, that we might remember Christ's once and for all sacrifice and covenant of grace. As we worship you tonight and undertake the ancient work of remembering, we ask that you would open our hearts to feel anew exactly why this day is called Good Friday. It's in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, that we pray. Amen. Who would break into a church and steal a statue of Jesus? You know what happened? I was thinking, what kind of a person would be motivated to break into a church and actually steal a figure of Jesus? Because back in 2003, it happened at the Church of the Holy Cross in New York City. August 2003. Vandals broke into the Church of the Holy Cross and unbolted a 200-pound, four-foot statue of Christ and stole it. And they left the cross that it was attached to on the wall. Who would steal a statue of Jesus out of a church? Break into a church to steal a four-foot statue of Christ. The church caretaker, David uh, St. James, shared in an interview after the vandalism, um, and and I quote from the report, They just decided, we're going to leave the cross and take Jesus. 
We don't know why they just took him. We figured if someone wanted the crucifix, they would take the whole crucifix. Makes sense. But it seems crazy to me that, that we, someone would just steal a statue of Christ. But in reality, when I think about it, this report of vandalism really illuminates the deeper issue in our hearts today. Like the vandals who stole the figure of Christ from the Church of the Holy Cross, the Holy Cross, we understand that their choice to leave the cross behind, we understand that because we do it all the time. We like to take Jesus, but we would really also like to leave the cross behind. We want Jesus, but not the cross. We like Jesus, the moral teacher, giving us the lessons, the ethical codes to follow. We adore the, way that he, the ways that he reaches out to, to the less fortunate, the marginalized in our culture. Um, you know, he didn't just feed the hungry. He, he invited them in. He, he, he sat with them. He shared a meal with them. We admire the way uh, of his character, he, that he didn't just say what he believed. He lived it out. We, we love that he put his calling above his earthly desires. You know, we, we say that the world would be so much better off if we would all just live a little bit more like Jesus if we could all just be a little bit more like Him. And out of everything we love and like and adore about Jesus, the one tension, the one thing that, that, we, often don't, that we often feel that we can do without, it's the cross. That's where things get a little bit more complicated. If faith, if a life of faith were merely listening to the stories, you know, the parables, the teachings of Christ, following, you know, serving, just love everyone, right? Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, love everyone. It'd be a whole lot easier. I'm not sure we would struggle so much with following Jesus if it was just as easy as that. You see, the cross tends to throw us a curveball. It may make a beautiful piece of jewelry or even a beautiful painting to hang on the wall. You know, but when, we, when we're faced with the reality of the cross, the, the blood, the violence, the cruelty of it, and what led to it, you know, we're often... We're, we often would instead rather take Jesus and leave the cross behind where it is. And honestly, who wants to associate with the cross? Who wants to associate with such a thing? And with all the horrors that we have to face in the world as it is in our modern world today, why take the reality of the cross with us in our faith? You know, Jesus' disciples struggled with the cross too. They struggled with it. And with what it meant, when Jesus first started talking about the cross, the disciples, they weren't, all right, go Jerusalem and the cross. They weren't on board with it. They didn't respond well at all to it. I want you to listen to how the Gospel of Mark records Peter's reaction to Jesus' first discussion on, on the cross. 
He says in Mark 8, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would raise, be raised from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. And we need to stop for just a second and examine what's happening here because... We really, it's easy to see in this, you know, that the suffering part. We understand that, you know, Jesus is saying he's going to suffer, Jesus is saying he's going to die, and we can even easily see, you know, Peter doesn't understand. He missed the part about in three days he's going to be resurrected, and he, he was kind of blinded by that, you know. But, but we, we miss in the reprimand of, of Peter or the rebuke, depending on the transli translation um, that you read. In the Greek, what doesn't translate into English well is that when the Greek says that Peter is reprimanding Jesus, the words that are used in the original language are the same words that Jesus uses when he's silencing spiritual demons in that he is exercising like spiritual demons. All right? See, to us, the cross looks insane. When Peter took Jesus aside, he did so because he thought Jesus was crazy and he was trying to exercise a demon out of him. That's what the Greek is implying in the text, in the language. Anyone watching this, the other disciples, would have been horrified by this event because the, the student was calling out the teacher. And not saying, you're wrong, but saying, Jesus, you're possessed by a spiritual demon. Could you imagine calling out Jesus and saying you're possessed by a spiritual demon? Because that's what the Greek implies. Not just, you're crazy, but you are under a spiritual force of evil. That's what Peter was doing. You see, over and over again, this, this fear of suffering, this, this reality of the cross confronts Peter. Peter is this outspoken disciple who responds out of fear, which is precisely what we do when we're confronted with the cross and when we're faced with suffering. Because, you know, let's be honest, we live in a prescribe-it-and-pop-it painkiller culture, right? That's the culture we live in. If we're in pain of any way, if anything is painful, if anything leads to suffering, it's automatically terrible and bad and must be prevented at all costs. But when Jesus, when Jesus says that he's, he's destined for the cross, Peter looks at him with confusion as, the, as if he were insane. But Jesus doesn't respond to Peter in stride. He doesn't take that reprimand in stride and he didn't respond out of anger either because as, as we know, Jesus, when, he gets, when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane later, he prays to God in the garden and he says, you know, if you can take this cup of suffering, suffering away from me, please do so, God, but not my will, but yours be done. So, so Jesus understands Peter's dilemma with suffering because Jesus goes through that same thing. But there's a difference between Peter and Jesus. And it's that same difference that we see in our lives um, when we decide to take Jesus but leave the cross behind you see when, P when Peter heard Jesus words 
and realized what the cross would mean in his life, he responds out of fear and not out of faith. But Jesus, however, he's willing to take a different path. See, he was willing to accept God's will and to follow God's plan and to see from God's point of view. And so Jesus responds like this. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. So he looks at his disciples first. And then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. See, God's view saw the cross. God's view saw the cross. Jesus said it plainly in in his description, right at the beginning, that the Son of Man must suffer. There was was not a wishy-washy, I might have to die someday understanding that God had for Jesus. There was this destination, I'm going to have to suffer and I'm going to have to die. This is the destination that God has put before me as the living Son of God. And while we may try to avoid suffering in our lives, no matter what the cost, Jesus chose to suffer on the cross. Why? That's the question we often struggle with. Why choose to suffer? Why would Jesus choose to suffer? I'll tell you, it's not because God is cruel. Jesus didn't choose to suffer because God is cruel, nor did he choose to suffer because Jesus had blind faith. Jesus was obedient even unto death, because he understood that God's ways are not our ways. And that setting your eyes on God and on godly things means committing our lives to it. Committing our lives to what God has for us, no matter what the cost. You see, Peter struggled with this. The cost of discipleship, the cost of following Christ the cost of following God's will in our lives. He struggled with this over and over again. Oh, to have Jesus, but to leave the cross out of the story. How easy it would be to have, how easy it would have been just to have this in the moment for Peter. But that's not the way it works for Peter, and that's not the way it works in our lives. You can't just take Jesus and leave the cross behind. The reality of the cross instigates fear in Peter just like it does in our lives. The the truth of God's plan led Peter to react in fear, not faith. In the upper room, in the upper room, in Mark 14, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter said, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will not. Denial. Not me. I will never be that kind of Christian. Even if everyone else is unfaithful in their relationships, I never will. Even if everyone else abandons their friends, I never will. Even if everyone else cheats on their taxes, I never will. Even if everyone else stops supporting the church, I never will. Even if everyone else forgets what's most important in life, 
I never will. No, no, not me. I will never be that kind of Christian. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, declared Peter. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. You can count on me. My word is my bond. A handshake may not mean anything to anyone else, but it means something to me. You can trust me. I will never deny you, Jesus. Never. Unless I'm at work. Or with my friends. Or my family. Or people I don't know. But denying you, Jesus, is not the same as not talking about you, right? Because not talking about you is not the same as denying you. You know my heart. And being silent and not standing up for you is not the same as denying. It's just not saying anything in the moment. Can't I just believe on Sunday when the doors of the worship center are closed, when no one else can hear me singing your praises? They took Jesus to the high priest's home the leading priests and elders and the teachers of religious law had gathered. Meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and went right into the high priest's courtyard. There he sat with the guards, warming himself by the fire inside the leading priests and the, and the entire high, high council were trying to find evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. Right back here. In the back row. This is my favorite seat. Right back here. That way, I can see everyone who comes in, and no one can see me. I can see everyone. I can be a mystery. If I don't like what I hear, I can just get out the back door. I can hide in the shadows in the back. Wait and see what happens. I can wait and see where the winning team is going to be because I like this guy, but I'm not sure who's going to win in the end. I'm not sure because I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I love the man, but I'm not so sure about this cross. Easy exit strategy. Sit too close. People might recognize me. Might appear too committed. Sit in the back by the fire. No one will know me. Then the high priest tore his clothes to show his horror and said, Why do we need another witness? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. Then some of them began to spit on him, and they blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesy to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him, and they took him away. Now, why would I follow this guy? 
He didn't even try to defend himself. He just took it. If I decide to follow him, they're going to kill me too. That's a heck of a lot of risk. Not a whole lot of reward. What's in it for me? Possibly follow God's will. Probably die a slow and painful death. Why would I be willing to put my livelihood on the line for that? What? You were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth? But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out in the other entryway. Just then the rooster crowed. And when the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. The truth is, is that if our goal is to be like Jesus, if that's what we intend to be in our lives, we must be willing to do what few people choose to do. We must be willing to stand at the crossroads of our lives that lead to the cross and choose to take up the cross. St. Augustine of Hippo once wrote, it is necessary to die. But nobody wants to. You don't want to, but you are going to. We want to reach the kingdom of God, but we don't want to travel by way of death. And yet, there stands necessity saying, this way, please. Do you hesitate, man, to go this way when this is the way that God came to you? You see, we stand at the crossroad with a choice to make. Do we accept the path before us that leads to the cross. You see, we stand at the crossroads with Peter. We stand at the table of the Last Supper. We stand at the Garden of Olives. We stand in the courtyard next to the fire. Will we stand at the foot of the cross? Will we declare, as the Roman officer did, this man truly was the Son of God? Will we follow the journey that God has set before us? And will we take the cross with us? Or will we leave it behind on the wall? Jesus warned his disciples of this choice. He warned them of this reality. If we only take Jesus and we forget the cross, 
we miss what this day is all about. We miss what His sacrifice and what the cross means to us in our daily lives. After Jesus reprimanded Peter, after He said, Get behind me, Satan, the very next verse, Jesus said these words, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. At the crossroads, our options are simple. We, we can take the path of the world, taking an empty shell of the figure of Christ off the wall, leaving the cross behind, or we can accept Jesus and the cross that comes with him. One way is simple and easy, full of colorful stories and morals and ethics, but lacking all substance and faith. And it's not what Jesus taught us. At the crossroads tonight, what is God leading you to leave on the cross with his son? What needs to be hung with Jesus? The cross was a choice for Christ. And it's a choice for us as well. We each find ourselves at different intersections of our walk of life where we need to make a conscious choice of whether we will remain in the company of Christ and the cross or choose to take a different path apart from Him. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you're standing at a crossroad tonight, I encourage you, be encouraged, because we, we all are. The choice to choose a path, to choose the path of the cross, is one that we must make daily. We make it every day of our lives. Tonight we make it together. And if you're ready to take a new step or to make the first step in your walk with Jesus, I invite you to be encouraged by the words of the prophet Jeremiah as he recorded them in Jeremiah 6. Let these words guide your steps as you leave this place. And remember to take the cross with you. Don't leave it on the wall. If you desire to stay in silence to pray, please feel comfortable doing so as there will be no more music this evening. And if you'd like to converse with someone, I ask that you would please respect those who are here praying and do so in the lobby this evening. And now I invite you to hear these words of blessing as recorded in Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old, godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Go in God's peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.